Hey, hey, this is Coach AA, and welcome to the November 27th edition. We're almost into the last month of the year. And as January rolls around, weight loss is always on my mind. Because even after 10 years uh, more of working with students, I realized there is a disconnect. And part of that, I need to learn to communicate better and differently. And the other important part is to understand more of the complexities involved from the other side, your side. Funnily, over the years, what I've seen is that losing weight is much, much easier compared to keeping it off. I've seen this be true for myself and more relevant. With almost 80 to 90% of students and people who don't train with us as well. So, as unsexy as it might be, let's talk weight maintenance because it is a hard problem. Weight loss is accessible. A lot of us want to lose weight for our own reasons. I want to clarify, we want fat loss and not weight loss. It's an important difference. Our body stores fat as an extra source of energy in case times get hard. This is evolution. Uh, this is because of evolution over hundreds of thousands of years. But today, we get calories very easily. So most of us end up eating more than we need, and this gets converted into fat. Now, our body weight is made up of, you know, our muscles, our organs, our bones, and all that. Plus, this extra calories which get converted into fat as energy storage. Not all fat is bad. For example, our brain is fat. So, most of us are thinking about the excess fat we hold. That's the weight we want to lose. Now, the other thing about fat loss, just like money or shiny objects, books in my case, things can take a bad turn real quick. We want more, 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 more. We thought things would be different once we got there. But one, it is harder than expected. And two, mm, no, it doesn't feel like I've arrived yet. So we don't stop. We're not happy. That mindset needs to change. That means we need to talk about reasonable fat loss. Just like being strong enough is good enough, reasonable fat loss is good enough. What does that mean? Well, it depends on a few objective and a few subjective measures. Now, I'm not going to give you what your numbers should be because, well, you need something you are happy with. But this is something when I work with a student, 
I make sure we agree on setting these reasonable numbers. Now, some of the objective measures that I use for myself and my students, blood work, you know, what's your lipid profile? What's your, what are your blood markers looking like? Second is visceral fat. Now, this is not the fat that most of us are concerned about, but this is the fat around the internal organs that we cannot see. Resting heart rate and heart rate variability are two other factors that I like to measure and keep track of and see where they trend. And finally, the waist to height ratio. Because if all of these look kind of good and the waist to height ratio is under 0.5, to me, that's reasonable fat loss. Let's move on. If we are maintaining this, great. Let's go on to other things. Of course, your body weight can also be one, but if you remember what we discussed last week, let's be cautious about that one. The subjective measures are even more subjective because it's about what's important to you. It could be, can I eat socially without worrying too much? Can I travel without it requiring intense research on where to eat and uh, all that? Or can a jolt or three not affect things in my life, etc. Very subjective. Now, through trial and error, I've seen everybody I've encountered lose weight. Everybody's successfully done this. No one has been stuck with zero success. They did something over a short period of time that got the scale moving. But keeping that weight off successfully, especially for the long term, mm -mm. at least 80% of them fail. The lifestyle didn't stick. Habit didn't form. was not sustainable. was not what they thought it'd be. Something didn't click. One huge part is not setting the right goals or the expectations or defining the subjective outcomes. Or maybe the objective outcomes were too crazy a number. What happens then when we start putting this back on is a never-ending and annoying battle of losing weight, putting it back on, being on a diet, being tired of being on a diet. And over the months and years, we keep doing this. This is inevitable because there is a limit to how much time we can hold our breath underwater. We eventually need to come up for air. Same way, there's a limit on how much time we can do something unsustainable. That's the weight loss part. But if we don't do something sustainable over the long term, it won't work. It's time to do something else. It is necessary to step back and change tack. Because that has not worked. We need to have the courage to do something else this time. We need to believe that this is the final time. This time we're going to go on a journey 
that will put us on a path that's going to work for us. And while we don't know the specifics of this journey, what the exact path is, we just want to go over that small hill yonder. And there we will chart our next path. We will learn. Right now, the only path in our heads is I will do, you know, insert unsustainable short-term stuff and lose an unreasonable number in a month. You need to think beyond that. If you've done this more than once and haven't successfully cracked it, this is what I mean. We need to start a different approach. Need to stop ignoring the lessons from these previous times. The unsustainable makes it hard. Micro-level changes that work for you will do better in the long term. You're overvaluing the one or two month results and expecting it to do something different this time. Not looking at the long-term horizon. I don't mean extremely long-term. Let's look at a 12-month horizon. So my challenge to you is to aim for 12 months of doing pretty good instead of just a few weeks of holding your breath. So what does that mean? How might a year play out? Let's hypothesize. January is a time to tighten things up. Why? Well, all of us have ambitious resolutions and more reserves of willpower. So let's definitely use it. We can do something unreasonable or unsustainable, but with two important shifts in mindset. One, focus on the effort, not the results. Let me explain. This means you follow the process. You have a clear plan. Now do it. Expecting a certain timeline for results to follow is not part of the plan. It'll cause you to second guess the plan. Instead, do the work. The second thing, have a plan for February ready. And it should not be the same plan as January. Why? There's only a certain amount of time you can hold your breath underwater. So change it up. Don't make it so difficult. You're not trying to finish the journey in one leap. You're trying to take slightly big strides forward in Jan and smaller, slower strides in Feb. What's important is we are slowly, inexorably moving forward in the right direction. Speed is irrelevant. Let me share a plan that I've drawn up for a student who has done unsustainable things and been in their yo-yo in their seesaw and they want to do something different this time around. This is based on multiple conversations, on specifics, based on what has worked, what has not worked, what slip-ups happen, what their job is, and all that. But you will get a better idea, and maybe you can contextualize. So January. Four weeks of the daily nine, aiming for 90% compliance. Now, if you don't know what the daily nine is, 
you can replace this with any diet of your choice. This is the unsustainable part I'm talking about. We designed the D9 to lead you into better long-term habits, and that's why it's part of the plan. I personally don't think it's unsustainable. It is unsustainable to be 100%, 100% of the time on the D9 or any diet, but for a long-term lifestyle, easily the best. Of course, with a heavy tinge of partiality and prejudice, right? But anyway, doesn't matter. That one thing which is hard, you're going to do that in January. And you're going to take the last weekend in January off. Now, this doesn't mean you're polishing off three cakes over that weekend. But sure, that's what it ends up happening. Don't worry about it. You're going to chill. You're going to relax. You're going to quit thinking about anything related to weight loss or weight maintenance. You did four weeks of work. Now chill. In February... Focus on sleep and on activity and your biggest issue. For my student, the one I'm working with, that's sugar. Meaning they end up eating sugary sweet products more often than they would like. So for Feb, Sleep at least seven hours every night and get 45 to 60 minutes of activity every day. And most days, it's going to be a walk. And the third, avoid sugar six out of seven days of the week. Now, why six out of seven? I find that being in the 85% range works show positive progress while still being sustainable in that you get to let some steam off one day of the week. Again, remember, this is a very specific example. Maybe for you, it's five out of seven. But if you're in doubt, stick to my plan. Again, take the last weekend in February off. This is not just off of the plan, but let the brain relax. Now, March, my student is a chartered accountant, which means March is a silly time at work. So sleep's going to take a hit. Now, in the past, we've tried to force sleep, saying this is the time you should actually be sleeping, which while true, what it ends up doing is it has a negative effect. It raises anxiety levels. Now, this is a deeper, harder problem, meaning solving work-life balance, having considerate, considerate bosses, going to bed on time and all that. I don't have as much control on those things. So it's more that we will track sleep so we can learn from it. And it's there as a nudge to not neglect too much. So over March, the goal is to track sleep. If you remember in Feb, it was to get at least seven hours of sleep every night. So we've built up some good habits there. 
and even as work might get crazy, hopefully, there'll be quite a few days here where the seven hours is happening, but the goal is simply to track sleep. And compulsorily have a 30-minute NSDR session every day. NSDR means non-sleep deep rest. Yoga Nidra is a perfect example. Think of it like a nervous system reset. It'll help to paper over the cracks of not getting enough sleep and the inevitable increase in stress. The second thing is to eat protein and vegetables in every meal. An increased focus on the quality of nutrients over this stressful period. Now, this will also improve satiety, better nutrient supply and reduced cravings. And the third, avoiding sugar and alcohol for six out of seven days of the week. With reduced sleep, more work stress, the inevitability of reaching for easy comfort is a pattern we've observed before with my student. So rather than give in, we're going to be disciplined and expected. After a stressful day, it is easy to slip into, I need some cake in me or I need a drink to settle down. Nothing wrong with it. As long as that voice does not own you. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this is over multiple conversations and my student writing down in a journal. Both of us know that this is something we want to tackle head on. That's why Yoga Nidra is part of the plan. And based on these cravings, based on the stress, based on how poor sleep is, I have other things on the plan as well, but I'm not going to overwhelm them just yet. And they're all simple, like breathing and meditation, like under 10-15 minutes a day. And finally, again, take the last weekend in March off. Now you can see how the rest of the year will play out. This is the template. Focus on a few things. I personally like the number three. So focus on a few things for about eight months of the year and tighten things up, but not 100 out of 100. But you know, focusing on, I'll continue using the daily nine. I'm going to focus on nine things and I'm going to aim to get 90% compliance. That's tight enough. Tighten things up for about four months of the year. And of course, you're measuring effort and you're measuring your objective outcomes. Weight and waste every week, your blood markers every three to six months, your resting heart rate, your HRV, if you have a wearable, you know, this is getting tracked, and so on. Now, about the weight and waste, if possible, have someone else note this down for you so that you don't spend any time thinking about it. Remember, it's a tool. It's an objective measure that tells us whether things are working and trending in the right direction. So if you have somebody else, take it, note it down. You just have data. Maybe you can look at it end of the month or end of every three months and see what's going on. But the biggest tracker is the effort because you've designed a sensible plan. Now the goal is do the plan. And over the course of 2023, I'm confident my student will find an 
you too can find the following. You'll break through plateaus in your health and fitness. You'll find that you've accumulated a lot of new sensible habits. Your new lifestyle will take hold and maintaining your new weight and all these habits is easier and simpler. And you're in a different place about how you view your health and fitness and how you approach life. My plea, think different, think long-term. And with that, I am done. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach AA signing off. You guys have a good one. Bye.